if I figured it all out, does that make me a better person today? Alone on the journey, today, on In the Shadow of the Cross. Welcome back to In the Shadow of the Cross. I am Lauren Rosser, and I am joined once again by my two friends, Jim Durkin. Hello. And Cool Hand Luke. Hello. (laughs) It's Michael Harden's title for the week. So we were uh, talking before we turned the mics on about how do you handle opposition to your journey? And in other words, you're going through what some people call deconstruction, or you're starting to ask some serious questions about your faith. Um, you're starting to look at scripture differently. Um, some, some things you've always held to, uh, some beliefs you've always had are kind of falling by the wayside. And you have those friends who aren't too happy with the the direction you're going or family members that aren't too happy with the way you're going. And um, sometimes things can get a little heated. How do you handle that? What, what do you do? Um, how do you walk through that while on one hand you're shifting and changing and on the other hand, uh, people aren't too happy about that. So uh, let's open it up with this. Um, how on uh, for you, for both you, uh, Michael and you, Jim, um, maybe if you guys could give a just kind of a quick little um, picture of your own journey of uh, the opposition you encountered when you started asking questions and stuff and how you walk through that. I'll, I'll just throw it out there, whichever one of you want to go first. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I think I probably made the uh, classic mistake that perhaps a lot of our listeners have either made or are thinking about making. And I'll just put it out there as I believe it's a mistake. And that's that this is a journey. And deconstruction is not, it's not the destination. And uh, as we've discussed in previous uh, um, podcasts, uh, deconstruction has a purpose. And the purpose is, ultimately is reconstruction. And so what happens is, uh, as, as I uh, take, take the concept of uh, deconstructing a building, and you're doing it for the purpose of maybe moving some walls around, and maybe you're, you're going from a very boxy kind of a house to uh, more of an open concept, so you're removing walls. And, 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 and you take uh, you know the sheetrock off, and you discover some two-by-fours. And, and in my country, uh, part of the country, I live in uh, Northern California, right in the middle of the Redwood Empire, so all of a sudden you discover here's some gorgeous redwood, old growth, heart redwood, two by fours. And you're like, wow, that's so beautiful. And so you go around and you try and share this. And and it's like, let me tell you about this wall I discovered. It's old growth redwood. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's 
and and they're like, what are you talking about? Walls aren't two by fours, or two by fours aren't walls. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that you don't have the whole picture yet. You're just beginning to discover the beauty that there is in in the heart, if you will, of the good news, the message of the good news. But you don't have the whole picture yet. And sometimes we went out and what we thought we were discovering, a week, a month, a year later, we look back and say, no, that wasn't it. And so we we kind of want to adjust that. But in the meantime, we've already alienated some friends or fellow, you know, uh, Christians or, or whatever, uh, because they're operating on a whole different level. And later in this podcast, I'd like to come back to the level that that most of us operated on, and many of our friends still are. Uh, but in the meantime, we've alienated people. So I suggest the people that are in the process of, of deconstruction, or maybe just beginning, um. Can I say this extremely graciously? Keep your mouth shut. Uh, Do your homework. Research it. Spend time with Father, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in this journey. But don't be too quick to... uh, I'm going to use a term here and people are going to get mad at me, but don't cast your pearls before a swine. It's like, you know, hold your cards close to your hand. You you got to know when to hold them. <laughs> so that that's my two bit to open <laughs> cool up. Hand. <laughs> I guess that was very fitting that Michael came on as Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> he didn't even know that was going to be the line, but no, that's that's true. And uh, and it's it's really good because even as you're sharing that, I was kind of getting one of those little "ouch, that hurts so good" moments. Where, um, because I was thinking back in my early days of, of kind of questioning things and unraveling from things on how, you know, I would go on Facebook or go into group groups and, and start dropping these bombs out there, you know, and, and didn't realize that wasn't the wisest thing to do or the wisest approach. And like you said, Jim, I didn't have the whole picture yet either. So it, it would have been wiser to have. So some of the some of the animosity I received was kind of brought on myself, you know, that I could play the martyr card and say, oh, they were so mean to me. But it's but it's like, but you just kind of came in and just blew up their universe, too. So um, and and not in the wisest way. So uh, so th- those are some really good, uh, wise words there, Jim. Uh, well, what, what, oh, go we'll ahead. Jim. Keep, we'll, we'll keep it between ourselves then that I visited you in Sacramento and told you, you might not want to share everything. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. And uh, Michael, what are, what are your thoughts? Well, first, first of all, um, for, for me, the gospel needs no defense. And so, uh, people's questions. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard them all, just as Jim has. We've, we've heard all the questions, and they're welcome to their questions. What I say to most people is, you know, those aren't my questions. Or it's important that there are, there are be- you can always ask better questions. Okay? So I'm also in a strange 
position of having worked through so much theology, biblical studies, history, and all this. I just, I, you know, you know how it is. And I've also, this last particularly six, seven years, have been gutting out my life, you know, cleaning that out. And um, so, I've, I mean, I really don't care what anybody thinks, frankly. I just, I just don't. And people are going to think what they think, and I don't care what they think, you know. I don't care who you are or what you think because it's all my medic. You either like me or you don't like me. You know, it's all my medic, you know, and... Um, and uh, second thing is, I know better than to try to change anybody's theology. You cannot rationally change a, a theological model. The only way that you, you can ever help anybody um, hear the gospel, which is an automatic change in their theological model, is when they're going through a dark night of the, of the soul, a theology of the cross moment, a crisis in their life. You know, and they're asking that that question, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's at that point you can help them begin to see you weren't, you aren't abandoned. Jesus didn't feel abandoned, you know, and you can you can work that so that they realize they're participating in a new paradigm. But it's the only time you can do it is when a person's in crisis. So, you know, people want to talk theology with me or, or religion, I'll do it. But it, but I'm not looking to change minds. You know, I'm looking. I plant seeds, but I, you know, I always ask, "Is there a better question?" Or I'll tell them, you know, that that question's been asked and answered, done and dusted. You know, and here's the time frame that was dealt with. So there you go. The third thing I would want to observe is this: all in the evangelical paradigm, we went from darkness to light. Okay. What we discovered was that light was also darkness. So, so we, we are coming out of out of the darkness in the world into the light of the Christian religion. But we discovered that that light is really not light. It's yin and yang. It's not total darkness, which they said we were in, but it's also not total light. We're in twilight. The Christian religion puts us in a twilight zone. Okay. Then we get tired of that, and we leave that, and we deconstruct. Well, what we're doing is we're moving from the first stage of what the French philosopher Paul Ricoeur calls first naivete. First naivete is God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's first naivete. We move then into critical distance. Critical distance is where we are asking all the questions, where we don't believe anything, where we are shaking foundations. It's, it's that kind of reality. But for most people, it ends up being a nihilistic wasteland because everything is questioned, nothing is believed, and life then has really no meaning. Now, a lot of our friends in Protestant Christianity are in deconstruction. That is, they're discovering the joy of leaving behind the God said it, I believe it, that settles it. They don't yet know that they're without guidance, they're moving into a nihilistic wasteland because the goal is not critical distance. The goal is second naivete. That's what Paul Ricoeur calls it. 
That's where we are able to be both critically distant from something and yet trusting. And we become like little children. That's when we become like little children. No matter how intellectual we are, we become children of the Father in that second naivete. That's where we are trying to get our brothers and sisters to. And so, so many of them that we know are either stuck in first naivete or stuck in critical distance. But the goal is to help everyone move on to second naivete. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, it, it's interesting because um, it, it's, it really is that place of, of, you know, Jesus taught that unless we're like children, it's, it's coming back to that place of, uh, of being free to trust um, and, and yet being distant from the things that are toxic, I think. Um, but, but it's interesting because I was thinking how um, when, when you were talking about that, uh, I, I forgot which stage it, it fits under, but, but the, the, oh, where you were talking about basically it was the deconstruction phase where um, it reminded me of having been a high school teacher of teenagers, um, you know, how they, they will challenge the foundations of things, um, but they don't think about what, what you're going to. You know, it's just they, they kind of sometimes they go through this phase where it's almost like annihilation. Let's let's annihilate the things that I don't agree with. But what what are we going to well, build? You know, and yeah, so, so I have two friends visiting this weekend. And just this morning we were discussing this because they both come out of an evangelical paradigm. And um, I mean, hardcore. And they kept asking me, you know, you know, how can you trust the father? I said, because the Spirit has revealed it to me. Yeah, but that's because the Bible says. I said, yeah. They said, but you don't believe the Bible's the Word of God. I said, it doesn't have to be the Word of God to me. God uses it to speak, but it doesn't have to be this divinely inspired Torah or Koran. I don't need that in my theory to hear to hear God speak. And they couldn't figure that out. Right. Because, well, the, what if the, if the Bible's human, then how does God speak? And I'm, I'm sitting here and I said, you know, guys, I've, I've done my best. It all works out in my head. I said, maybe some PhD students someday can come and figure it out. But the point is, they kept digging. They're looking for that foundation. And, and I said, trust is the foundation of everything human. Money, we, in God, we trust is on our money. Money is a fiat currency. We trust that the Federal Reserve can back it up. We have trust in social relationships. We have contracts. But God... The Father has used this category of trust as the basis for the gospel. We are rectified by trust. You know, we trust the Father loves us. We trust that message that's been revealed in Jesus. We trust it. And when we trust it, we follow Jesus so we can be like the Father. And then they're going, well, how do you trust that? Because that's in the Bible. And, you know, you... You sit and do your critique of the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, that doesn't matter. I can critique the thing historically, critically, every way from Sunday. But when I go read it, I'm reading it in the light of the Spirit, the Father, and the Son. So it doesn't matter whether Jesus yeah. wrote it or Matthew wrote it. It's like, because like this morning I was doing my little meditation on uh, Matthew 6. Don't don't worry, be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, or your body. What you, I'm just meditating on this. I'm thinking, there's some powerful stuff here. There's some powerful stuff yeah. here, you know. You're not worth more than the sparrow. I mean, I'm just my head is spinning because Jesus is taking my value system 
and turning it around. I want, I, I, you know, I want a God that I can manipulate. And Jesus is saying, no, you're just loved, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And, and that's, that's the key thing though, is trust. Because when you trust the father, it really doesn't matter what what shift he brings into your theology, into your belief system, because you trust him. So you're not rattled by, uh-oh, this, uh, so wait, this, uh, does hell exist or not exist? You know, it's like, well, I trust the Father. Yeah. And so what what matters is whatever he unfolds to me, it's yeah. okay. Because because he's the one who's unfolding it, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sweat it. Because um, just just today I was thinking about how, you know, I I didn't even know the gospel. I don't think until just recent years. I thought I did, <laughs> and I didn't, and I was going out preaching it with such confidence, and uh, and now it's like here, you know, it, in my. 50s i'm sitting here going dang you know is the clock's winding down and I, I don't have that young man energy to run out there and hit the streets anymore i'm going i feel like only now am i starting to grasp the gospel but but i trust the father and it, and it was as i began to grow in the trust of my father that he could begin shaking things that i thought um would rattle me before um but if he did it too early on it would have and, and I think that comes back to the thing, too, of when we're talking about cramming things down people's throats and stuff. It's like, if they're not ready for it, if Father hasn't brought them to that place of trust, then what for us could be joyous could actually be terribly destructive to somebody else. I think um, what, what you're both saying is, um, if, we, if we could get a hold of what you're saying, that evangelical... Uh, really a wider scope than just evangelical. Most Christians raised in, in church or spend any, any length of time in church gets the idea that the goal is to have concrete, absolute truth. And uh, that amounts to a certain set of uh, doctrinal positions on essentially everything. And and what deconstruction looks like is it looks like it's an attack on uh, those quote, end quote, absolute truths. So uh, I have an absolute truth about the validity of the Bible. And here comes somebody who's in the middle of deconstruction or on that journey or whatever, and they're saying things about the Bible that I've been taught. And and, and it, is easy, it isn't even that my answer is, well, I've been taught this. It, it's stronger than that. It's, well, I know that the Bible is infallible. I know that the Bible is, you know, God breathed. I know that the Bible is. And we get, we get in these locked in positions because we've been trained by modeling as well as, uh, from leaders that we're supposed to know these things, you know, give a, an answer for the hope that lies within us as, as if that's 
what that's talking about. And the bottom line is not, uh, you know, our our conception of, of the way things are, our, our absolute beliefs. The bottom line is our relationship. And deconstruction is not attacking relationship. Deconstruction is actually presenting what a true father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship looks like. It's, 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 it's revealing what a relationship of the whole church operating and functioning together as one, uh, you know, whatever term you want to put on that, bride of Christ, body of Christ, whatever, but sons and daughters. And if we could get off of this, I have to have absolute truth on whether there is hell, whether the Bible is infallible, whether, you know, it's a trinity or a triunity, as if somehow that is splitting hairs, but whatever. And and get off of that and get into just what you were saying earlier, Michael. Who is Father and who am I in him? And what does he, through the Holy Spirit, have to say to me today about learning to live as Christ lived, as a representation of the Father, and live in, in love. And so I think sometimes our reasoning behind wanting to go out and convince all of our friends or tell all of our friends about our journey too soon or too authoritatively, still comes from that concept of I have to be absolutely right. I have to know the truth. And we think now the the, the discoveries in deconstruction are the absolute right thing, and therefore we have to convince other people. And it just becomes a battle of the, of the mind, a battle of wits. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, and I think of how many times that I, when I really look at some of my motives in the past, and I, and I think some other people have fallen into this as well, where sometimes going out and sharing that new truth that we discovered is actually, uh, there's, there's a little bit of retaliation sometimes in there that it's like, I, I want to get back at those scumbags who treated me bad by showing them that, that I'm right and they're wrong, you know? <laughs> Um, sadly, sometimes I think that creeps in there. Not that that's everybody's journey, but sometimes I think that does creep in there sometimes. And then, and then I, I keep thinking about Mary, how it says in scripture, how when she, she saw these things that, that, that uh, father did says right. she hid them in her heart. And, and I think I'm, I keep thinking about that, Jim, as you were sharing about how, um, sometimes there's a place to hold things just as you said, close to our chest, you know, um, kind of let, let that truth work in our lives. And, and then when it, it's not always our place to correct someone's wrong theology, except like when Michael said, the dark night of the soul comes to somebody and then they're looking for answers. Totally That's a different. totally different scenario. Yeah. You know, when, when that person thinks God's the all controller and their kid is dying and it's like, why is God killing my kid? You know, that, and, and they're genuinely searching, that's a good time to step in. But in just 
everyday theoretical conversations, it's not, you're really not going to typically get very far. Or not only everyday conversations, but, you know, I can think of, uh, you know, a whole list. I mean, I could fill up a couple of pages of names of people that I've ministered with in the past that are, you know, in various places in, you know, uh, whatever nationalism or, or, you know, you know, this side or that side of, of the political coin, or they're strong evangelicals or, or they're this or that, the other thing, whatever label you want to put on them. And I, I could go right down the list and say, you know, I need to write this person to tell them, you know, tell them what I've discovered, and I need to tell this. And boy, if I could convince this person, and and I think there is the heart of it. If I could convince this person, they're an influencer, and man, could I influence the network of whatever? And yeah, yeah, you know what I'm right. saying. And I, and I think sometimes our motives are wrong too. There, you know, uh, our motives sometimes can be uh, that we want to, what you said, we want to prove to everybody that we have now discovered, you know, we've discovered the pearl of great price and we own the field and, you know, you know, <laughs> and it's like, right, you know, that motive's just as wrong. People that are, I, 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 the first thing I'm going to say is I think we need to differentiate between deconstructing as an intellectual process. That's just simply where you're challenging authority. It's a very enlightenment, uh, you know, uh, Kantian dare to think kind of thing. Um, we have to distinguish that intellectual process from the phenomena in the uh, American Protestant Christianity known as deconstruction. Um, um and so in that, and I would absolutely agree with Jim's assessment that, because he was using it in terms of the process, just what you go through psychologically and socially. Look, people, religion comes from the Latin religiera to, to bind, okay? We are, we are bound to religion. We come into religion when we get saved. We are bound to Jesus. We are bound to God. We are bound to the Bible. We are bound to church. Okay. And that's what gives us life is feeling part of a, of a community, feeling part of a bigger vision, bigger mission, bigger purpose. We're bound to that. And for a season that is extremely exciting, and we, we want to tell the people how joyous it is and the new friends we've made and how fresh the Bible is or whatever it is. And we go through that same process when we start the phenomenon of deconstruction. We want to tell everybody they should have our questions, you know, and we want to, to try and prove anybody that's still in that first naivete that they're wrong. Listen, I understand that. I get it because there's a desperate need for the affirmation as one is unbinding, there's still a need for affirmation for a relationship that one has with the Creator. One has with, if through prayer and Bible, so you have that relationship with Jesus and then you deconstruct and you lose it. Okay? 
people out there are so hungry that are sitting in critical distance right now. They're starving. At least back here in religion land, first naivete, people are, quote, being fed. But in critical distance, they're starving. And that, that to me, is, is both a necessary kind of reality, because we all have to go through the desert, the dark night of the soul, that theology, whatever you want to call it, and in order to, to clean out all the garbage, to let the new work that the Spirit will then bring to us in the hearing of the gospel and the trust that we are loved by the Father. That's really good. Yeah, it's um, that's a good point that when you're in that, uh, that was it the first naivety? Mm-hmm. That's the the term you use. Um, you're right. There, there is a, um, it's, it's a secure place to be, if you will, in the sense of that you're surrounded by like-minded people. Um, you've, you've got a community that you're with. And, uh, and, and so it, there's a, there's a great comfort in that place. And when you take that step where you're leaving that, it, it is very unnerving and, um, and rattling, and and I think that um, it's it's good to remember too that on on our end too, um, everybody needs a lot of grace in that moment because you're kind of out there in a lot of ways by yourself because it seems like the people you have are people like on the internet or that are far away from you. You you tend not to have people who are right there physically with you going through it, unless you're fortunate enough that you, you live near somebody, you know, who's on this, a similar journey as, as you are. Um, so it's, it is a scary place. And I could see why in looking back in my own life, I could see why I did those things. And sometimes it's that thing too, of that negative attention is better than no attention. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, think a lot of times I posted things and stuff just because it's like, I still exist. (laughs) I'm still here, you know, and even, even a mad reaction is better than no reaction, you know, than me just being out here in the wilderness all by myself, you know? Um, So yeah, Michael, you're right. It's a, it's a hard place to be when you're, when you're going through that and, and you're, you're starting to question things and you're not on the same page and you don't have that support group and you really are in the desert. So it, um, and, and the other thing too is in the desert, you know, we don't, we don't always, we don't always show our best selves, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I look back and cringe at some of the things I said and did and stuff in, in that season in the desert. Um, and I may return to the desert again at some point in my life. Who knows what God has planned, what father has planned down the road, but, but it's just, it's a hard place. Cause you're, 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 that's really where you're finding your footing and trust in the father as you're discovering all the things that you've, you've put your trust in that aren't the father. And, and that's a, that's a very hard place. Like you said, Michael, whether it be finances, um, the, the, the communities we've been a part of all, all the different, uh, different things we've, we've weighed in on it. And that's a, that's a hard place to be. So what advice would you guys give for people who are in that place right now? Jim's advice was best. Shut your mouth. And I'll, and I'll tell you what you do in its place. Journal. Chronicle your journey, and and keep all your changes in there. Because after a season, you won't remember them, but you'll be able to go back and remember them, and then you'll see the growth that's taking place. 
and you'll realize that a you're not really ready yet to be telling the world about these changes and b um, you have to prepare those around you. you. You really do need to prepare them um, because it's scary. If you're in a religious family system uh, and you begin questioning, you know, uh, inerrancy, infallibility, penal substitution, hell, whatever, that family system is literally seeing you as being seduced by the devil. Yeah. They see you as being corrupted by humanism or liberalism, or and often both, and you're moving down a slippery slope. They won't be able to hear you if you're sharing your journey through these changes, and you will also begin to doubt whether you need to be on this journey. And people will often go back into religion. So... That's true I, I too. agree with Jim. Don't don't talk. Journal, grow, mature, learn. Um, knowledge, knowledge doesn't save, but knowledge that has been put through the pressure cooker of the cross becomes wisdom, and wisdom saves. That's good on on both you guys part. That's that's really good. And uh, as you were sharing, Michael, one thought that came to mind is I was I was immediately this is an extreme example, but I was was immediately reminded of this because it it ties right into what you were saying about preparing your family. I remember um, a a, a gay friend of mine um, who's a pastor was sharing that. his uh, he was he he would share with some of his congregation members who were would come were coming out and would share with their families and their families would react and, and be really upset. And he would he would have to remind them and say, you know, you've had years to process what you're going right. through. They just That's heard right. it, and and it's like you have to give them the same grace, you know to, to adapt. And, and, and even though that's an extreme example, I I think of that with the whole thing of deconstructing too, as you're asking questions and stuff, that's a really good point is that (laughs) they'll make the mistake I made where you start dropping these massive scripture bombs on people and say it, you know, saying things that you know is going to rattle them. It's, it's like find ways to maybe kind of sprinkle a little salt out there that, Hey, you know, Lauren's changing a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I I think he's starting to think a little different about some things, you know, that way it's not just a, you're not the Kool-Aid man, you know, <laughs> bursting down the wall here. Oh yeah. You know, here I am. And, and everyone has to adapt, you know, instead give him give him some grace to realize that you're, you're seeing things I, a little different. Too, too many Christians, too many Christians, they get excited about their experiences and they come on like Gozar the Barbarian. Ghost yeah. Ghost. Right, exactly. There's uh, perhaps a a lesson that we can draw on uh, to to help in answering this question. And and the lesson is uh, the Lord himself, uh, when, when he was on the earth and he invited people to follow him, just come follow me. And in that process, there were people that would come to him and, and they'd say, you know, we'd like to follow you too. 
but I got this thing going on over here, and I, 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 I still got to kind of work with that. And I, and and he'd say, "Well, go work with that," you know. And and then he said something. He said, and it's about following him. He said, "You need to count the cost. There's a cost to following me." And I, I, I think about this. I, I, not only would I say, uh, you know, again. And Michael picked up on it. Keep your mouth shut. I would say open your ears. And listen to your friends, the people that you've been in relationship with. Uh, Remember, you came into this journey. uh, You may think you came into it through frustration. You may think you came into it through... Uh, you know, some kind of abuse in your church or something of that nature. But in reality, those were only the the things that may have opened your eyes to something the Holy Spirit was doing. He drew you into this. So as you keep your ears open, you're sitting down... uh, with a friend and you're having coffee and just talking and all of a sudden your friend begins to open up and say, you know, I've just been thinking, you know, lately that, you know, I really don't know the father. I mean, I know this, this God guy up in heaven, you know, that he's dualistic, but I really don't know the father, not the way I think I'm supposed to. Well, now you have an open door. Now you can share, but be very careful how much you share. He's just starting, or she is just starting in this journey, and you don't want to open the floodgates and say, okay, let me show you what's behind this dam, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, possibly the best thing you could say is, man, that's good. Let's let's start dialoguing about that. I want to hear more from you about what Father is revealing. And and they will give you the clue uh, of of how far you can share. And uh I I, I think wisdom uh makes listeners out of us. I, I, it seems to me that I read somewhere about being slow to speak and quick to hear or something like that. I don't remember exactly how it goes. But <laughs> it was some in book. some book. I think it was a kind of popular book. <laughs> According to Michael, it's not inspired. But... <laughs> Well, we, no, this we just had we just had a bunch of people tune out. <laughs> exactly, but I, uh, Jim, I was laughing when you were talking about you know being be careful about how much you share because that's so spot on. Because it's like we don't just give them the red pill; we grab the pill bottle and shove the whole thing down their throat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know before you know it you you know the question they had about i don't know the father we're talking about hell and you know all the you know you're throwing all all the whole thing at him you know and they're just like ah gagging you know i wasn't ready for that you're you're absolutely right what was that yeah 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. From Oliver yeah. Twist. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's again that's some really good wisdom. It's just that because because you know that you see that with Jesus, he would he would just throw out a question or enough to to spark the hunger, or depending on where they're at, just just um, kind of draw them further to the. He, he would look at what is the next step in their journey. Um, you know, are they just at the gate? Are they a little further down the road? You know, what's the next thing they need? to, to move closer, to move further down the road, you know? And, and I think that's, that's Jim, that's what I hear you saying is it's, it's paying attention to where they're at and uh, being mindful of that. We're not, that that we're not throwing the whole thing at them, but, but giving them just what they need for the, for the next step. Well, I think if father is relational, I think we're supposed to be relational also. And, and being dogmatic in what we believe is not relational. And then, and then one thing too that I've noticed in a lot of these relationships, being mindful also that you will gain something from that person as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're 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 not we're you know we're not the answer men. You know we're not the answer person. That that they they bring something to the table too. Whatever that is that will will benefit your life that's just the way life in the kingdom works whenever we gather together everyone has something to contribute and the and the and the truth truth of the matter is what you're saying is my relationship with father is going to look different than yours and so as i as i listen to you sharing with me what you're learning in that relationship it is going to minister to me absolutely yeah fun interesting how god made this thing so it's relational uh yeah you know i'm i'm going to jump in on on this what if we're wrong about this hell issue i don't think we are but what if we are um what if we're wrong about heaven and and I don't mean when I say what if we're wrong about hell, I don't mean um we get there and we find out that there really is a burning hell and you know and, and gazillions <laughs> of people are in there for all of eternity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what if it's what if it's something we've never even conceived of ever that that this thing called hell that we are grappling with is is it Gehenna? Is it is it you know this that or the other thing? Is it the extreme love of God? Is it you know if I figured it all out, does that make me a better person today? Exactly. Is no, we're not saved by knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, and yet we want to be. I know. Yeah. We we, we have that uh, wonderful postmodern urge surging through us for, you know, some kind of certainty. I mean, the Christian Protestant tradition has had it since the 17th century. I mean, you know, we're desperate. We are, we are literally creatures that don't know how to trust. 
We don't trust each other. We don't trust our governments. We don't trust our churches. We don't trust anything. We don't trust anybody. We don't even trust ourselves. What wow. you're saying about trust, Michael, true. is I don't even have the right word for it, but it's it's the key to the whole thing. It yes. it, it it comes right down to if I trust my father that he loves me and that he's going to take care of me then whatever comes along in this life or in the next is going to be the result of his love and his heart to take care of me. That's right. And I can trust that. I don't have to figure it out. Yeah. And and that's not easy for us. That's not an easy place to be in to to turn the brain off, if you will, and say, you don't have to figure it out, Jim. It's not that important that you nail every everything down. Just That's put right. your hand in the hand of the man and trust them. That's right, baby. That's it. You know, you know, yeah, we're like really a couple good. of old Jesus freaks here, Jim. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I, I would love someday to do an episode just on uh, Jane Marczewski, also known as Nightbird. Mm. Um, if you're familiar with her story, uh, and you can do that, just Google uh, or go on YouTube and type in Nightbird with any on the end. And um, I'm just really going to uh, nail Jim's argument to the wall for everybody to see. I have learned more by listening to three or four songs of hers for the last seven or eight months than I have in any 20 years of studying theology. Wow. She's dying of cancer while the father is just elevating her star. And she, she went to Liberty. She's a Christian girl. I mean, she's her voice or her, her, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I just listened to her song, you know, It's Okay. And um, there's not a day goes by, I don't listen to it because I, I bought it and I listen to it every day and I listen to her song Fly every day. And sometimes I'll go watch her America's Got Talent Golden Buzzer. And I, I mean, those, those are for me times of weeping and times of second baptism, times of cleansing. And I've learned more from just listening to these songs and thinking through what she went through and how she she questioned God. Where are you? Why is this happening to me? You gave me these gifts and now I'm dying. And, but she never questions, quote, the Father's faithfulness to her. I mean, it's just, she's so beautiful. To me, she's a modern living witness to how to undergo and experience a, 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 a crucifixion, you know? And, and she, she wanted her, her, she wanted to be world famous. She wanted her music. She believed in her music. And, and if she had just had a regular career, it probably would have gone nowhere because that's how Nashville is, you know? But 
but in the dying on the world stage, you know, and um, her songs, I don't know if it's, it's over 250 million listeners and people she's affected. And that's where the gospel for me is to be found is in that kind of testimony. And that's, that's, I just thought I'd share that. Wow. That's, that's really awesome though. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it, it's in that, it's interesting how, and I'm indicting myself here, you know, <laughs> we seek, we seek the comfortable, easy life. And yet it's in that place of brokenness and, and hardship and that, that dark night of the soul we talk about is where we, we really see That's life. Where everything and, happens. And we, mm-hmm. That's where yeah. all the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. L- Lily and I have had countless conversations about years by things we've gone through where if we, uh, if we'd done this and done that, we would have avoided that pain. And, and then we've stopped and said, but we wouldn't understand anything we do now. There you go. Yeah, that's a that's that's powerful though. What you were just sharing about her. I mean, d- didn't she didn't she actually yeah. pass yeah, away she, now? She died. Um, uh, f- I believe February twenty second of two thousand twenty two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just. I would tell everybody on the planet: go put her songs on your first thing in the morning list, just to remind yourself that we're all just a little lost, and it's all right. It's okay. You know, I mean, for me, just having that perspective, that just kind of gentle reminder that, yeah, I, I feel a little lost today, but it's all right. It's all right. I'll get through it, you know. And uh, I have just really appreciated her work. I, I guess I just wanted to say that publicly. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, appreciate I, I think something you just said, uh, Lauren, and, and about um, – pain. Uh, we all go through uh, various uh, episodes of th- that bring pain into our life. We all go through something that, uh, you know, gets uh, identified as the dark night of the soul, uh, you know, experiences that, that we wouldn't wish on anybody else. And what Michael just said uh, is, it's in those times that we we cry out, yell out, shout out, whatever. God, where are you? How come you let this happen? You know, and 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 yeah. I really don't know any uh, mainstream church that is training people how to put their trust in the Lord. On an individualistic basis, people uh, find the ability to do that. But but it's, it, it seems like there's far too much in, in those times, there's far too much uh, blaming God. You, you can't rely on the things you've been trained, the things you think you know. Uh, you know, the intellectual uh, God that you've created and, and you end up getting lost. Basically, Uh, you're, you're just like, I don't know where God is here in the, in this situation. And, and I think uh, 
when we talk about a relationship of trust, um, I I would almost I, I would like to see a revival, if you will, <laughs> of of tr- teaching people what trust looks like. Uh, you know, what, what does trust look like? And, um, because let's, let's go back to, uh, what we can see in the Bible. Okay. Here's the promise of, of the Lord to his disciples in this world, you're going to suffer. But he said, be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Uh, so what does he, having overcome the world, have to do with me suffering? The only thing it can, it, it, the only connect that, that can be there is the relational connect and the trust that that brings about. Let's look at each of the disciples. Each one of them was martyred except perhaps John. And and you look and you say, well, that's a kind of a weird ending to this new thing that called the kingdom of God that is being established. It's like <laughs> we're going to go out and we're going to live a few more years and then we're all going to be killed. And it's like, Oh, happy, happy, joyful, joyful. Oh, happy day, you know? And, and, and it's like something was working, and yet the reality is that if we look at their lives, they, they didn't get most of what the Lord was laying down. They just didn't get it. You know, they were so locked into the way their interpretation of certain Old Testament scriptures and prophecies and whatever that this Messiah was going to look like. They were so locked into that that they couldn't see what Jesus was actually laying down, what he was offering. And I think we're, we still find ourselves in that same, oh, but the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And say, yeah, but what is the word of God saying? What yes. is Jesus saying? Right. And, and, right. and, and it's, it's like, I'm sorry, uh, only on a kingdom level am I going to experience my best life now. I'm not going to experience in a physical <laughs> level. That's not a promise that comes from Jesus. And and I need to stop looking for that. I need to stop looking for, uh, you know, all the blessings of life are mine, you know. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, you know. And, you know, I need to start looking for, again, for what is the message that Jesus laid down, and and that's in a, re- that's in a relationship with him 
the one that has overcome the world, that's where my victory lies. But it's in it's in trust. It's not in necessarily my day to day living. Yeah, that's really good, Jim. That that was a, that's a great way to wrap it up because being that we're at time, that was the perfect way to wrap it up. So, you guys, uh, as usual, um, we <laughs> present where people can find your stuff. And so, Jim, uh, since you kind of wrapped us up here, wh- where can people find your book? Uh, Dying of Thirst on the Bank of the River, and you'll find it on Amazon.com. All right. And, Michael, where can people find your book and uh, as well as your videos? Yeah, so my books are all at Amazon, and my videos are on YouTube. Okay. And and for those of you listening, seriously, I know we do this every week presenting their stuff. Um, if you haven't looked at, at Jim's book or Michael's book and the videos that are there, I highly recommend it. Um, before I actually uh, met Michael in person, um, I was going through all his videos on YouTube and they were just a tremendous blessing to me, just a real help. Um, uh, just uh, some of the questions you might even be wrestling with, because if you if you endure the podcast all the way to here, then you're clearly one of those people most likely that are that are asking these kinds of questions and stuff. And I think you would find those uh, to be very helpful. So and Jim's book goes right along with yeah. what we're talking about here, walking yeah. along with people with as you're going through that transition. So definitely get a hold of their stuff. Uh, Well, anyway, that's all the time we have. And we'll talk to you all again next week. 